0: Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the queer femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. My guests today are Lalina and Annika, the mother-daughter art punk duo from Texas known as The Mother Mold. The Mother Mold released their debut album Flesh of My Flesh in October of last year, superimposing a powerful mother-daughter bond onto a stereotypically male-dominated field of punk rock. We discuss how they came to form the band as a pandemic project, how they've acclimated to performing in live spaces after lockdown restrictions were lifted, and Lalina's early punk rock projects, The Color Guard and The Hissy Fits. As usual, I would like to remind listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, so if you would like to help me continue to create more episodes and maybe buy me a coffee as well, Please consider donating to or checking out my Patreon at patreon.com/backslash a girls to sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Those who join my Patreon will get to unlock bonus content, including music-based film reviews with special guests, unheard and unedited conversations in podcast episodes playlists curated by yours truly, as well as early access to some of my YouTube content. However, I understand that finances are tight for many people, so if you are unable to join the Patreon, I fully understand. All I ask is that you give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, as that really helps me out in my effort to get the podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode.
1: Annika's painting her nails right now.
0: Oh, oh lovely. Yeah. I love it.
1: <laughs> shooting our video today.
0: Oh, what song is the, what song are you shooting a video for? For Because I Said So? Yeah. She awesome. had a really
1: good idea for the, for the video, and but she's supposed to be the mom in it. And so she wanted to take her green nail polish off because moms don't wear green nail polish. Of course, of course they do, but <laughs> you're the one who told me care, to take it off. It's more stereotypical mom, I guess, and stereotypical teenager. And so, yeah. So anyway, so
2: what kind of reverse roles? She's the teenager and I'm the mom. I love it.
1: Yeah. It should be pretty funny. I mean, it's all, do you we, know, do,
2: do we have the same
0: haircut? I think we do. I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see my bangs. Like they're a bit bent out of shape. I, I, but
2: there almost
0: we, we have pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> she just got her hair
1: chopped off yesterday. Yeah. Love it. We considered bangs, but decided not to go that route.
0: Yeah. Good. And honestly, good. And th- you probably made the right choice. Bangs are annoying as hell. <laughs> Well, it's hard to keep them like trim straight, mm,
1: and I yeah, and do that. And I don't trust myself. So, right. So, would you like to introduce yourselves? Oh, well, that's a good way to start. <laughs> do you want to go
2: first? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Annika. I'm 14, and I'm the drummer in the Mother Mold. Mm-hmm. And I'm Lelena,
1: and I'm not 14, and <laughs> I'm the guitar player
0: in the Mother Mold. Oh, and I'm the daughter and she's my mom. Yeah. Amazing. And so, Lelena, uh, you had obviously been a musician for a majority of your life. And so I was wondering if you'd like to talk about how you got your start playing music, what drew you to it at the beginning, and what's the significance that punk in particular has to your life? Well, it's,
1: it's funny to hear someone say that I've been a musician for the majority of my life, because while it is true, while I was growing up, I was an artist. I mean, I've always been an artist. I've been an artist longer than I've been a musician. So it's, it's funny because I don't think of myself that way, but somehow, somehow a lot of time has passed and I've played music all this time. But the way it started was, well, I, I wanted to play guitar. I've always loved music. Like when I was a little kid, my dad actually had a really big influence on my musical taste and introduced me to the Beatles and and like even like Queen and Elton John and like all kinds of stuff that was out at that time. And, and I listened to records in my room. I had my own record player in my room and sang along and learned how to harmonize. And so I wanted to play guitar. And so when I was 11, I had already taken piano lessons, but I didn't like practice. And so I kind of got really flaky about it really fast. And so my parents said, okay, if you prove that you're going to play guitar, we'll pay for guitar lessons. So I taught myself Blackbird by the Beatles on guitar and acoustic guitar. And so mom got me guitar lessons. But the thing is, it was classical guitar lessons. And, you know, now I'd be really interested in doing that. Actually, I've taken flamenco lessons as an adult. But at that time, it just, you know, it had no relevance to the music I was listening to. And so I, again, lost interest really fast, unfortunately. So so I didn't play music all through high school. I went to an arts high school, but I was in the visual arts department. And then when I was out of college, I studied journalism, actually. And I had a job at the Houston Chronicle. A friend there was a musician And wanted to start a band. And I thought that sounded really fun, but I couldn't play an instrument. So I said, well, I'll scream punk rock lyrics. And he said, you're hired. And so we started Catbox. And we called it Cuddly Punk with one other friend from the paper. And after one rehearsal, the bass player didn't show up anymore. So my friend Robert handed me a bass and said, guess what? (laughs) You're the bass player. And I said, what? Really? And, uh, but it turned out to be really fun. And, you know, you can kind of do something simple on a bass really easily. And so it's, it's a a good instrument, I think, to start on, you know, you can make it as complicated as, you know, like sky's the limit, but it was a really good starter instrument for me. And it turned out I had stage fright. So screaming punk rock lyrics wasn't exactly in the cards, (laughs) at least right away, but I, I got over it. And, and was able to sing and play bass. And so that was, that was Catbox. That was in Houston. We got together at my friend's house and had pimento cheese sandwiches every Saturday and wrote our own songs and, and played around town. So, so then I, I went to art school in New York to Pratt, but I was hooked by then, And so I put out an ad and looked at ads in the Village Voice. That's how people, you know, the matchmaking for bands happened at that time. That was in the 90s. And and so I met Holly, who also wanted to start a band. We started a band called The Hissy Fits. She played guitar, I played bass, and we wrote some songs. And we had kind of rotating drummers for a while. But we played like on St. Mark's Place at like legendary places at the time, like Coney Island High and Brownies and even CBGB's. So that was really a great time. We had a practice space on Ludlow Street, and then eventually, uh, eventually, we kind of like—I don't know—there was some differences of of where we wanted to go with the band, and and so that's when I decided to split off and do my own thing and started the Color Guard, and that was with Jeannie. It was my very first bandmate, and Valerie, and then Chris played drums, and and we ended up uh, recording four CDs with that band and touring around the region and, and had a really good time.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I tried to make it as short as possible
2: <laughs> while not making it as short as possible.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and when you were, uh, practicing, I guess on Ludlow street, I, and when you, when you think about it now, like it's, it's funny to think of about how just, you must look back at that time and be like, wow, that was surreal, like, to get to play in these spaces, because nowadays, like, can you imagine renting a practice space on the Lower East Side today? <laughs> no, and I mean, gotta, even yeah,
1: the Color Guard got together, our practice space was on the Gowanus. It was like, what was that stop? It was close to, it was close to like Borum Hill. Yeah. Like this big building studio building with a whole bunch of hundreds of studios. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was really a great time. It was still, you know, would play around that area. And I think like Arlene's is still open, right? Yes. yes.
0: Lounge and we played both those places and also like a Luna lounge. Is that still there? I wish it's that that's closed down, but Arlene's is luckily still here. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. Yeah. I actually am friends with who the person who books shows at Arlene's Grocery now. And it's, but it's, it's really important to like, like cherish these like spaces, especially like if they've managed to last for this long, because New York, I feel like is changing all the time. And especially like with with independent DIY spaces, there's never like a guarantee that they'll always be around. So I am like, and that's why I love hearing stories like, like yours, like, like, Oh, remember when this, like, like when, when CBGB's like closed, like that was like the end of an era for so many people.
1: Yeah, that was, that was really sad. I mean, it was there for a really long time. So, you know, it's hard to be surprised that eventually it would shut down. But, yeah, it's it makes me happy that places like Arlene's and Mercury Lounge are still there. And Pianos is still open? Yes. Okay, yeah. Good.
0: Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. And so, I guess, like... <laughs> After like once and moving on from there, like and starting a family and everything, when did sort of the idea and Annika, I would love to bring you into the conversation for this part as well. You give it any insight that you might have when, how did like the idea sort of gel to start a band together? Well,
2: I think how it originally started was that I, when I was about, I think three or four we went to a garage sale and found like this little like mini drum set, and I don't remember. Did, did you like? Did I ask for it or did you? I have um, no
1: idea. I I probably couldn't resist. It was fifteen bucks. Yeah, because
2: because she had always wanted me to learn drums anyway. Like she kind of envisioned that when I was born that I would eventually learn to play drums. So, anyways, so we bought that, and then I think I said like, and then we started playing music together. Well, actually, come to think of it, we played music together before I got that drum set. I had this little, like, drum when I was like two or something, and, and we would just play songs together. And then, but when we got when when I got this drum set, then we actually decided that we should like be an actual band. So, and obviously we weren't that good at first, but. (laughs) Yeah, we used to, as just
1: a pastime, go to garage sales every Saturday morning. We'd go and have Einstein bagels and then go to garage sales. (laughs) And so we had, we found a little like rack tom or something at a garage sale. And so that was the very first one that she probably doesn't remember ever not having Uh, And then we found that second one, but yeah, I mean, the thing is when I was a kid in elementary school, I remember, I think maybe a marching band from a high school came to our elementary school or something and the drums looked so much fun, but I never thought I could play drums. I mean, not that I thought I couldn't, but it's just one of those things of like, I didn't know girls could do that. And so it never occurred to me, but I've always thought that playing drums sounded really fun. And so it seemed natural for, you know, like for a kid, it seems like that would be a really, you know, fun instrument to get into first off. And then you can always, you know, branch off from there if you wanted. And besides you'd be doing something that I didn't get to do. Mm -hmm. So I had already had some songs that I had written just between the time the color guard stopped playing And I had her, I had a handful of songs just, you know, because I like writing songs. I didn't want to stop writing songs. And so I sang these songs when she was inside me, (laughs) resting my guitar on my belly, you know, and she could probably hear it. And then I sang the same songs to her when she was a baby, just because those are the songs I knew best because I made them up myself. And so eventually it was just kind of natural for her to start. Playing the drum a little bit while I was practicing. And but we also played the ABCs and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star.
2: <laughs> so some of some of those songs that she wrote when I was inside her are songs that are on our album.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So when you started, I guess when when the idea initially came to you to record an album, were What was it like to sort of go through the archives and sort of dust off these songs that had been written like a decade and a half prior?
1: Well, we had been playing them for a while. I mean, the whole development of it was very just like step by step, like gradually getting more and more. Like, I think when you how old were you when we started playing at Slowpoke's Brisket Shack open mic? Mm. Maybe seven?
2: something like that seven
1: seven or eight and and so we figured what the heck and we started playing them and and she had written a couple songs by that time too like
2: Orion nebula was the first one that you wrote right Mm -hmm. do you remember the process of writing that or like i think i just sat down like one day and just like wrote the entire song (laughs) had we been i just like wrote whatever came to my head had we been
1: looking at the stars recently or something we must probably yeah and then,
2: in the inn, I was in,
1: mm-hmm. how did that happen?
2: Oh, we were sitting we were on a road trip, and we were sitting in the car, and I saw these signs that said in and then and then I asked her what's an inn?" And then she told me it's like a hotel or whatever. so then I, so then I came up with the idea for a song about a bad hotel. And so I called it, in the end, I was in. Playing with so, words. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we
1: wrote a few songs together, like Wonder Girl and what else? Well, Because I Said So. Well,
2: Because I Said So was mostly me. That's mostly you.
1: Yeah. But we collaborated. And so we had, like, what is it, 11 songs, just a mix of songs I already had and songs she wrote and then songs we came up with together. And we were playing all those songs out and we wanted to, you know, have a permanent record of them. And so we decided to record and that's about the time the pandemic hit.
2: Yeah, because we, when the pandemic hit, we were like, well, we can't play shows now. What are we going to do? So then we were like, well, we might as well just record them.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I like I like recording. The process of recording is really fun to me because I'm a maker. I like making things. And so that and also because, you know, we thought about going into a studio, like paying for studio time. Of course, probably no studios have been open at that time anyway because of the pandemic. But but also it's a really intense experience to record music because you're paying for the time. And so you have to kind of crank out these songs, you know, and like really focus and, and take your get your best takes in an eight hour day, like all your songs. And, and it's really intense for even an adult. And so I thought, you know, she was 12. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to put that on her that kind of expectation. And I thought it would be fun, and she would be able to participate in the process. So yeah, do you want to talk at all about like the process of recording it, like what we did?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, I don't remember the entire process. But the first thing we recorded was, was my drum tracks. And then we recorded her guitar, and then and then we both do vocals. So after that, I, I think first we recorded her vocals, and then we recorded my vocals. And and that whole process took a really long time, like because perfecting the drums, perfecting the guitar, and then school. Yeah, <laughs> and also school because I because I was so busy with school, and then like part of why we just now released it is because I go to a magnet school, a magnet high school now, and it's like really hard work. And I barely, I barely had any time to do anything for the album. So, so anyway, but yeah. And then we had to edit it and that took a long time too. And I hope, I mean, you asked about like this collection of songs, you know,
1: both, the kind of older ones and then the ones that came about after she was in the world. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how cohesive it is. I hope it's cohesive, but I've always kind of liked variety in albums anyway. Um, And so hopefully our kind of style and sound are consistent throughout while having, I mean, I write different styles of songs anyway. So hopefully it's, it's just variety
0: would you say you're the type of people to take inspiration from the music you're listening to at the time, or does that usually not come into play?
2: I think, yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, it depends because like a lot of the music I listen to is, is like a completely different genre than, than what, than what our music is. So, I mean, I guess, like, sometimes, like, certain, like, things that I do with singing might come from, like, the artists I like, but not really, like, any drum stuff, because I don't, I don't really listen to, like, I mean, I I listen to metal and, like, that kind of thing, but I, I also, main, I mainly listen to, like, pop stuff, so, I mean... <laughs> It's kind of a completely different genre, so I, I don't really know to be
1: honest. Let's see. I mean, I guess it would depend. For me, it would depend on the song. I'm trying to think. I mean, the only one, the one that comes to mind that would be most influenced by music I listen to is Persephone, which is the last song on the album, and it's the longest song on the album. It's kind of like, well. It's, Somebody in metal injection called it stoner rock, but her dad, who's a rock critic, calls it doom metal. So somewhere between there, but with the myth of Persephone, which I've loved since I was a kid. So I think the music, because I listen to a lot of that kind of music, like Opeth and like Isis and things like that, Baroness and, and like Royal Thunder is one of my favorite bands. And they just came out with a new single. I'm very excited. But with other songs, I don't know if I could really pinpoint, you know, a, any sort of direct line, except, oh, there's another one, but you take a turn.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I really like Bikini Kill and, and like people like that. So I think my style probably like is influenced by them, but I, but I also like Billie Eilish and artists like that too. So they don't, they probably don't. Art artists like that probably don't really play into my like, ha, m- like my style or anything, but probably Bikini Kill does. It's it's pretty similar style. So, and it's interesting that Kate Bush is having
1: a moment right now because she was a big influence on me, and I always was really entranced by her ability to kind of put herself inside the head of all these different people, like you know. Houdini's wife, and I think a South Vietnamese soldier, you know, in one of them. And so I was really influenced by that as well. And so that's kind of how I think Helen came about. There's probably a direct line from Kate Bush to the song about about Helen Keller, which is kind of inside the head of this little girl who couldn't hear or see anything and yet, you know, had a craving to communicate. But also, you've been influenced by you love Weird Al Yankovic, that's and true. even
2: Alan Sherman.
1: <laughs> hello, mother. Hello. <laughs>
2: yeah, and and that's how because I said so came to be. Yeah, so
1: there's an so. influence there, and also with the video idea, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Holderness family also with the video. Yeah, right. Because she watches a lot of them. Do you know who they are?
2: No, I do not. Who are they? There, there's this family that does like song parodies and stuff. And yeah. they're they're on like YouTube and stuff. So <laughs>
0: cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love this whole like how this whole metamodernist sort of influence on art now like we're all so fascinated by other people's commentary on art or reworkings of art and it's influencing the ways that we create like for instance i love watching other people talk about music like i'm a big Todd in the Shadows fan and he's a he's a youtuber who um talks about pop songs and stuff like that and gives his take on them or on like one hit wonders and stuff like that And that really influences a lot of the ways that I write about music in a lot of ways, just by absorbing the ways that other people talk about music and stuff like that. And Lelena, like you're a journalist, I'm sure like that might apply to you. Or did you say that, Annika, your dad's a rock critic?
2: Yeah, he well, now he he mostly makes playlists, but he also has a blog where he writes about music as well as other stuff. But he doesn't do so much writing anymore. But
0: yeah, so I find it really cool. Like you're mentioning, like, how like content creators like this family who make song parodies would influence the way that the ways that you guys are structuring your creative output and stuff like that. Yeah, that is really interesting to think about. I also made an interesting observation this year as well, speaking of journalism, and I would love to get your thoughts on this too. What What do you think about the recent relaunch of Cream Magazine? Oh, I
1: think it's really exciting. I haven't seen a copy, but I think it's, it's in print, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's exciting. All the visuals that I've seen online are really beautiful. There's a relaunch of Cream Magazine. Yeah. That's Have you seen
0: a copy yet? I have. I saw one in my friend's apartment because she did copy editing for all the archival work that they did. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool on the website. They have an archive of every single back issue of the magazine, like from like 71 up to like the year it went out of print initially. That's amazing. I'm excited too, because I feel like a lot of music, I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of music journalism now is a lot of sucking up in order to gain access, and with the relaunch of Cream, it's really maintaining its original ethos, where they're not afraid to rag on people or do semi takedowns, in and maintain the negative reviews with like that really non objective sort of sort of really like gunslinging prose that Lester Bangs was really great at, <laughs> and I think. Like now more than ever, like where are we ever going to see that? Like we're not going to see professional journalists who write for NME or Pitchfork doing that anymore. It's mostly going to be from like independent bloggers or people who generate their own content as critics on like YouTube or TikTok and stuff like that. So I'm excited for the cream comeback for that reason specifically.
1: Well, you make me want to run out and get a copy.
0: You should. Yeah. It's really cool and they're really like on to a lot of the great stuff happening now like Special Interest. Do you know the band Special Interest? <laughs> they're like an industrial synth punk band from New Orleans and they make like really cool like dance hardcore. It's it's really awesome stuff, but there's a really great profile on them on the first new print issue. But to roll on back to, I guess, the album, what was one song that you guys... You can each choose, make your own choice, because I'm sure individually you might connect with one song more than the other person. But what's one specific song for each of you on the album that you are, like, really proud of? I... Well, it would
2: I I think it would be a tie between Wonder Girl and Because I Said So, because I'm really proud of the lyrics of Because I Said So and how that turned out. But with Wonder Girl, I'm also really glad about how that turned out, too. So I don't I don't know. So it's probably a tie between those two. And then also Persephone. Really? Why that one? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's because I growl in it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I would,
1: I would agree with those. Also, Mary Jane. I'm trying to think if there's anything in particular about we're in the space that where we recorded, like there's her drum kit right there. It's green by the way. And then in that corner we had for a vocal booth, you don't see it there. I had a room divider and I put blankets over it. And so we had a vocal booth back there with the the room divider and the blankets for a while. But maybe I would choose Wonder Girl because, well, it's about you and you had input in it and it completely changed from the original song that I wrote. I wrote a song about her called Wonder Girl when she was little, but it was it was kind of like soft and loving and, you know, in the words you originally wrote. No, I'm sure I could find them somewhere, but as she grew, it just didn't seem suitable to her. I mean, she wasn't that sort of like, I mean, she is very sweet, but it wasn't a peaceful kind of person. Yeah. I mean, she's really, you know, loud sometimes and (laughs) enthusiastic and energetic and colorful. And so this quiet sort of lullaby like song wasn't suited to her. And so I asked her like, how should this song sound? And she said, well, it should sound like, like a superhero song. Like it should go, BAM!
2: Yeah, I chose her <laughs> on the guitar to go, BAM! <laughs> right. So that's
0: what I did.
1: <laughs> and that ended up being the sound of the song.
0: <laughs> I love that. Make the guitar make this sound, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I also am curious about your experiences with live music in a post-quarantine world—have you performed at all, or and/or gone to some live shows since quarantine? And if so, like, how has the experience changed at all, like since before?
2: We've done both. We've done several live shows actually, and we've also gone to a lot of live sh- shows and. I think, I, I just think we're, we're much better at, like, I'm a much better drummer than I was before the pandemic, and I think part of that was just the recording process, like, made me a better drummer in general, and then also, I was just older, so that helped, too, so I think that before the pandemic, our shows were just kind of quiet and not very... Like I don't know how to describe we some, it. They we were... had some pretty exciting shows. Like we played yeah. the parlor. Yeah, we, we just we just weren't very good yet though. But then after the pandemic, people people actually like really, really love our shows because because like they think we're great. So <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it. But
1: it's been really wonderful to get back doing. Oh, lectures. oh,
2: and also. Before the pandemic, we didn't have our our color scheme thing, where I wore all green and she wears all red. We started that after the pandemic, and that was my idea. And that really adds to our shows, too. So, I think people are just really, I
1: mean, I was trying to think, is there any difference? I mean, people aren't really, from the shows we've been to, aren't wearing masks or anything. I think people are just, they seem really glad to be out and listening to music again, for sure. And we did a pretty exciting show.
2: Oh yeah, we performed before a Harry Styles concert. Yeah, it wasn't on the same stage, but it was like outside, well, where, where like the like food vendors and stuff were, and we we just like did a show before before Harry Styles performed. Yeah, so we basically opened fun. for Harry Styles and just on get, a different stage. Did we get paid for that show? We got paid like a hundred dollars, well,
1: right? No, we didn't get paid, oh. but. We were compensated with like a, a private suite with with the Girls Rock Austin gang, which is who invited us to do the show.
2: Yeah. And, and the, there was another teenage band who performed who are also campers there. And, and I would have performed with them, except I'm in the marching band at my high school. So I didn't really have time to do that. <laughs> But do you, you probably are. You probably know about Girls Rock camps, like yes. Willie May.
1: Uh huh. So I started volunteering with Willie May during the first camp, and and volunteered for a number of years when I lived there. And then when I moved here, how do you find your people? You know. And so I I started volunteering with Girls Rock Austin, and just felt at home right away. It's such a great organization and network.
2: Um, and so obviously, when once I was old, she automatically just signed me up for the camp.
1: Right. And <laughs>
2: she loves it.
1: But they invited us to play this Harry Styles show because they were invited as like, because they're a great nonprofit. It was like several different parties involved. But anyway, yeah. So with them, we sat in this private suite with like a couch and a little kitchenette and they brought these amazing delicious nachos and we had like this private viewing space to watch the Harry Styles show which of course we would never do
2: otherwise in life and i probably so, would have never gone to a harry styles concert <laughs> if it wasn't for this either except you really like harry styles right that's true but it's not like you ever take me to a billie eilish concert or what like, you know what i mean well yeah you, we, don't go go those, take, st- we
1: don't go to those we don't go to I've never states, even so.
2: gone to ACL like <laughs> <laughs> we will one of these days you never asked to see Billie eilish has she even come here maybe not but if, if she did i would ask <laughs> except you know i wouldn't take you apparently exactly <laughs> because i know you wouldn't take me where i might take you to a Billie eilish concert annika you
1: would maybe yeah if it's not you know three hundred dollars but
0: yeah the justice system needs to break up Ticketmaster like it <laughs> did you hear they're, they're launching an, an investigation into Live Nation and Ticketmaster now yeah 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 that'll be very interesting that's the one silver lining to this whole Taylor Swift scamming <laughs> yeah yeah I like Taylor Swift. Swifties, please don't kill me. That's the thing, though. Like, you can't, you can't pay, no one can pay for arena shows these days. Yeah, you
1: know, I don't, exactly. I don't really enjoy shows like that because, I mean, number one, you've paid so much money. So there's, like, all this pressure to have a great time. And that never ends up well for me. But then, yeah, you're, usually your view is really poor as well. So, you know, in this particular instance, we played nothing and got a great view, but that would never happen again. So. <laughs> but, yeah, I really like, you know, smaller shows, you know, at, at clubs when you can actually get up close and maybe even yeah. talk to the band.
0: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, too, of just like people are just so happy to get out there now and enjoy live music.
1: Yeah. What yeah. are some shows like Die Spitz has been. Have you heard of Die Spitz? Yes. Yeah. Oh, they they were in New York actually recently. Yeah, their shows are a lot of fun. Um, you know what and would be cool? Ghost if, Wolves is another one that's really fantastic oh, yeah, we that we've been to recently.
2: You yeah. know what would be cool if famous people weren't famous? Because that way, <laughs> because that way, their shows wouldn't be crowded and people wouldn't get hurt, and they probably wouldn't be as expensive. But they would also at the same time they would be famous so so everyone wants to see them but they're not famous well because... that's why you have to catch them before they're like super super famous <laughs> like right now going to see But the you thing know... is it's not as cool if you don't if, if like it's more cool if you see famous people's shows like celebrity right. shows i don't agree because because that because like it's just more cool because then you get to say Oh, yeah. I saw I saw a Billie Eilish concert and then everyone would be like, wow, you saw Billie Eilish. That's so cool. But then the bragging rights. Yeah. But then it would also be cool if the shows weren't as crowded and and also not as expensive. Well,
1: you might have a few of those stories, though, and that's why those stories are really special. Like one of my special stories is when I was. I was on a date, but our reservations, we were early or something, but we were all dressed up for the restaurant. And this was a number of years ago here in Austin. And, and so we were downtown and there's this beautiful historic hotel here called the Driscoll Hotel. And I love historic buildings and especially historic hotels that are still open that you can go in and explore. So that's what this friend and I did. And so, you know, we crept up the stairs and we're like looking in this old ballroom that all the lights were off. There was nobody in there. And so we kind of followed our noses. We heard some music and went and like somehow down the hallway, there was this smaller room off the side with the light on and music coming out. So we peeked in and somebody like gestured, you know, come on in. And so we sat down and there were maybe 25, 30 people and Willie Nelson with two other guitarists playing this really intimate, you know, maybe it was a friend's wedding reception or something like that. And it was super special. And it's true. It was special because he's super famous and it was a small show. And that almost never happens unless, you know, this pure chance like that. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that that's more, I mean, it's, it is special, but I also really love, you know, some of these bands that we're seeing now, they might be super famous one day. Yeah, that's true. And you saw them now.
2: Yeah. So then I could say, "Oh yeah, I-, I saw this one band before they were famous, and then they might be super famous."
1: Yeah, like we could even put a mirror at the end of our at the stage and <laughs> see ourselves before we're super famous. <laughs> <And then laughs> we can say we saw ourselves back when. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing Billie Eilish at Brooklyn Steel back in 2018. And that was like, Brooklyn Steel is is still pretty huge. Like, that's a massive venue. But like now, like, like maybe like three months later, she was playing Madison Square Garden. And like, that is just, so it's really interesting to like look at progressions like that. Yeah. And what was that Willie seeing Willie Nelson in that setting? Like, I want to hear more. Oh, it was, it was
1: just, it was so special. He played blue eyes crying in the rain. That's the main song that I remember. We were there for maybe three or four songs. And I think maybe since we were dressed up, the person who gestured us inside maybe thought we were late for the event (laughs) that we belonged there.
2: And you didn't maybe have they to were
1: pay just... anything. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a concert. It was some like oh. you know private event of some kind that you know it looked like maybe he was maybe they hired him or maybe he was a doing a favor for a friend or a friend's you know kid or something. But it was just him and and two other kind of side musicians all playing guitars, and it was just really sweet and intimate.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of like stories like that, I actually, I work at the door at a small venue in Bushwick. Before I prepared like all the materials and stuff like that to work production that night, I printed out the guest list and I saw Tony Visconti's name on the list. And so I thought if it's the Tony Visconti, this is probably a stupid idea, but I'm bringing my low vinyl (laughs) to work. (laughs) And I'm getting, if I run into Tony Visconti, I'm going to ask him to sign it. And I did. And he did sign it. Oh, like, that's great. And so that was just like, like insane. Like, like, yeah, just like, it's, Like, I was going to say New York is wild, but like, it's not even just New York. Like, you could be anywhere and you never know who's going to be in the room. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. And so I guess to wrap up our chat, what are some things that you would like? What are some of your most exciting prospects for coming up?
1: We're. I hope that we're going to go on tour in the summer. That's true. And speaking of making us better musicians, I look forward to doing that because we'll be playing like either every day or every other day. And and I think we'll come out the other side, just, you know, even more rocking and fantastic and tight, but also it'll just be really fun. (laughs) Like We got a, right before the pandemic, we got a minivan and it was to load, you know, all our gear and like be able to go on tour and stuff and also carry art supplies for me. And we got to go to Mardi Gras in 2020, right before everything shut down. Uh, That was the only only road trip that we made in that car before the pandemic. But now we can actually use it for its intended purpose. And so I want to go on tour basically through the South and see some family, like go to New Orleans and Lafayette and hopefully Atlanta and Nashville and Memphis and then come back through Arkansas as well. So that's one exciting thing. But then also I have a book coming out, actually. I have a children's book coming out. It's called Friends Beyond Measure. And it's a friendship story told with infographics on every page. So that comes out at the end of February. So that's super exciting. My first children's book that I've authored and illustrated all myself.
2: Um, I've been working on, it's it's taking me, a very long time. And at this point, I don't know oh, yeah. if I'm ever going to finish it. But I, I started working on a documentary about 2020, about like the year and everything that happened that year. And I've been working on it. Like, I don't even know how I don't even remember when I started it. Well, 2020. Yeah, I guess so. Because <laughs> I, I interviewed some people like during the shutdown.
1: Yeah. So tell uh, yeah. tell her what the process was like like what exactly did you do for this documentary
2: well first i just got a bunch of interviews I, I contacted people and then and then i just like interviewed them over zoom and then i i don't remember what else i did well yeah a lot of interviews yeah. she made a, a docu- short documentary yeah. on and that was before that yeah and so that was that was a 10 minute one and that was my first. And then after that, I was, I wanted to do another one. And I'm hoping that this one, if I, if I do end up. You're going to finish it. You're going to make me finish because it. Because I said so. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this one ends up longer. I want it. I want it to be at least like half an hour, not an hour. I think it'll be longer than that. You have a lot of footage. Yeah, that's super. But it's going to be very hard to like decide what to put in and what to take out because I don't want it to end up being like six hours long and I have like a like a bunch of footage that I have to decide so. yeah editing is the hardest part
0: yeah well best of luck like cobbling that together thank you so much for joining me for a chat well thank you
1: Izzy this was really fun I love your podcast so it's an honor to be on it
0: Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy, and thank you again to The Mother Mold for joining me today. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girls Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested, consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girls to sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.